0: I've really enjoyed this I Am series. Anybody else? It's, it's, it's been a real, uh, you know, it's good, to, it's good to get people up here. It's good to get different people up here to hear their, you know, to see how they see things because we're all different, yeah? Um, and that's the, it's always a privilege to speak here. Um, it's sometimes a wrestle to do this. It's not always easy to do this. Some weeks it's like, oh, I just kind of know what I'm doing. This is one of the messages has been like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Is that Okay. So I'm just being real with you. I know what I'm doing because God's with me. But sometimes you have these messages. This is one of those messages. So this message, you kind of might have a few things even there. You just need to pick what you want out of this that speaks to you. Does that make sense? So it's not a 3.2 you know, message that you're going to follow ABC and do them in that Okay, It's not one of those messages. It's some thoughts about Jesus. It's some thoughts about God. Does that make sense? And you've got to pick what is relevant to you. What is God saying to you this morning that is going to help you? So obviously I've been given a title, so I've got to stick with the title, right? I am the light of the world. That's my I am this morning. Apparently it's the second one that John uh, puts in there, but um, I'm going to read it. It's from John chapter 8. But light is important, is it not? Um, when I was, I was a primary school, school teacher for 10 years, one of the things I always enjoyed doing was going away for, um, like, going, going to, what was it called? We used to go to Bowers, an outdoor p- They'd always do it the night line. And what they'd do is they'd get a big rope, and they'd fasten it through all different objects, and take you out. Not always at night. It was, it was better at night. But sometimes they'd blindfold you, and they'd put you on the rope. Have you ever done one of these? If you haven't done one, go home, get your bed sheets, fasten them together, put them around the house, under the table, and then blindfold yourself and try and do it. It's a great thing to do with kids. And you'd hold on, right, and you have to find your way. And you'd go under tables and you'd be like, what's this? And you wouldn't have a clue what it was. It'd feel like some alien object because your eyes were, were covered. Light is important to see, is it not? But it's even more important because without light, without the sun, we don't have life. We wouldn't exist. But Jesus comes up with this statement in John eight twelve. He says this, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light of life. I am the light of the world. Jesus is pretty confident about who he is. Anybody want some confidence in who they are? Jesus, Jesus is in an argument here about who, who can he say these things about himself because there's no witness. And by the law, they had to have a witness. But Jesus is so confident in who he is, he doesn't need a witness. He doesn't need someone to affirm who he is because he knows what he's sent to do. And he's got an absolute confidence in who he is. I'm just going to talk about the context of this a little bit. Jesus is speaking to people at a festival. It was a Jewish festival called the Feast of the Tabernacles. I love that, that word, tabernacles. Anybody else? You know some words, you just like the sound of it. Tabernacles. I just, you know, I just like it. And um, there's your task for today. Have a conversation with someone and see if you can get the word tabernacle in there ever play that game with people? See if you can get that word in. We used to do that all the time and then have a little giggle. But um, the context of this is the Feast of the Tabernacles. And it's at the end of the Feast of the Tabernacles that Jesus, this is the setting. Now the Feast of the Tabernacles, what it was, it was a celebration that they had to celebrate how God had brought them through the wilderness and he would provided for them every day in the wilderness. And God commanded them in Leviticus, I think it's 23, he commanded them to, for seven days to live in these temporary tents. It's also called the Feast of the, of the Booths, right? But I prefer tabernacles. So God told them to have this celebration. So every year they would celebrate it of how God had miraculously brought them through the wilderness. He had provided for them every day and he'd been so good to them. So Jesus is standing here at this, um, at this festival. Now, at the end of the festival, the Jews had also added something else onto it. So they'd added these really powerful symbols. One of them was to do with light, and one of them was to do with water. Two symbols, light and water. Now, where they got this from was from Zechariah chapter 14, verse 6. So they're listening to a prophetic word from a prophet... And they've set something up symbolically to remind them, yes, God has brought us out and provided for us, but there is also something else that God is going to do in the future. And they've created these two powerful symbols to remind them. So I'm going to read Zechariah. Sorry, I know I'm going around a little bit different, so just bear with me. It says, so verse 6, On that day there will be neither sunlight nor cold frosty darkness. Who wants a day like that? I'm trying to grow some things in the greenhouse at the moment. And I've positioned my greenhouse. It's a new greenhouse. Someone's given it to me. Blessed. And I've put it in a place where there's not much light. I don't know if it's going to work. And these two old, old geezers in the street who think they know everything because they've got more experience in life than me keep telling me it's in the wrong place. I'm convinced I'm growing things in the darkness. You're laughing at? It. I'm praying Jesus is in there. They're going to grow. It's not going to work, I know so it says on that day there was neither sunlight nor cold nor frosty darkness and this is speaking about a new day when God's going to rule it will be a unique day a day known only to with no distinction between day and night who looks forward to a day like that no day and no night. Sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? So what they did, what the Jews did, they added this festival, this ceremony on the end, right, of the, of the feast. And they created these big, massive candelabras. And they filled them with loads of oil. They were like, some, dis- some descriptions say they were 75 meters high, but I'm not convinced. That's a long way up, don't you think? And it says there's ladders that climb up to them, and they would light these huge candelabras, and there would be 16 lights And when they lit them, they lit them when it went dark till the morning time. To symbolise on that evening, there will be no distinction between night and day. So what they would do, it says that when they were lit, it was a magnificent lighting up of Jerusalem. And all of Jerusalem would be light all night. And it said that the priests danced all night and sing. And they celebrated that God was going to bring salvation into the world. Are you with me? So when Jesus stands up, all of Jerusalem is lit. And he's like, yeah, this is good. But I'm not just the light of Jerusalem. I'm going to be a light of the world. This light is going to go out from Jerusalem, and it's going to go into all the worlds. And there will be no longer darkness, but there will be a, not just a temporary seven or ten hour light. There will be an everlasting light that will not go out are you with me the other thing we go back to the water the other thing that happened in this temple many of you might know this but they would get water from the from a pool called siloam and they would bring it and they would pour it out in the temple and that symbolized God's provision they were expectant that the waters would come the rains would come and the harvest would be abundant So they were symbolizing it, our God provides for us, he provided in the wilderness, and he's going to provide for us again. It was a statement of faith and symbolism, so they would pour out the water. Are you with me? So then Jesus says this statement, he doesn't say, I am the water. He says this in John chapter, let me find it, John chapter 7, verse 37. It says, let anyone, anyone who is thirsty come and drink. Come to me and drink. So at this feast now, we have Jesus standing up saying, anyone who's thirsty though, come to me. So it's not just about practical provision God wants to provide. He wants to provide spiritually for the person so that they can be satisfied from the inside out. So Jesus is saying, I'm here. So Zechariah says this, on that day, so... When evening comes, there will be light. So that's why they had the lights. And it says this, on that day, living water will flow out from Jerusalem. So that's why they'd set this up. That's the context. Are you with me? So they've set up an amazing light, an abundance of water that's being poured out. Jesus stands up and says, anybody who comes to me, they're thirsty, I will give you rivers of living water. I will satisfy the thirst that you're after. I will do it in you if you come to me. In other words, I am the source of life. I am the Messiah. I am the one who was in the beginning who made all things. You come to me and I will satisfy you. You come to me, you'll no longer be in darkness. It's not just for Jerusalem. The Jerusalem was meant for the world. I think it's an amazing setting, don't you? And you just imagine being there, these huge lights and watching them celebrate all night. You know, light is really important, as I mentioned. And it was important to the Jews and in their faith. If you read in the scriptures, you'll find light all the way through. In the beginning, God said, let there be. There you go. Right from the beginning, light was what, was what was spoken by God. It wasn't you. It wasn't me. It was light. So this light in the beginning that brings life, the source of life was in the beginning. We see God take the Israelites from captivity to the promised land. At night, he led them or he warmed them with a pillar of light, fire. So he gave them fire to warm. So God, God is light, right? God is fire. Psalm 27, verse 1, one of my favorite scriptures. I'm sure if you've been a Christian while, you will have read this out when you're going through something. The Lord is my, and my, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? It's a, it's a confession of faith to believe who God is he is my light he is my salvation whom shall I fear it dispels the darkness when we put ourselves in faith in Jesus that God is greater than the things that we face some of you may need that this morning Or Isaiah 60 verse 19 says for the Lord your God will be an everlasting light wow not a temporary light, like they were celebrating and lighting all of these candelabras. Apparently they used the priest's clothes as a wick. So they would get the priest's clothes and pull them out and burn them. And I thought, what does that mean? Why did they use them? And then I realized, I thought, maybe it's this, that what they were doing is symbolizing the old clothes burnt in order for the new to come. And I thought, yeah, it's about me taking off my old life and living in the new life. God wants new priests. He doesn't want old people. Sorry. He doesn't want an old way of living. He wants old people, right? Please forgive me if you're over 25. <laughs> What's up? I'm old. Is that wrong? 47. Old but young in spirit. There you go. Redeem yourself. But the point is this. It's an everlasting light. Isaiah says it. God is an everlasting light that you can trust in. I love this one. Job Anybody going through something right now? We're all going through something. Job says this. When he lit up the way before me, I walked safely through the darkness. Difficult position right now. You may have lost people. You you may not see a way through. God wants to light a way through for you. He wants to say, just keep walking with me, just keep talking, just keep listening, just keep obeying, and you'll find that there's a way through your darkness. If Job can get through it and see the redemption of God, you can get through it with an everlasting light. Or you might be like, Micah, listen to this one. Though I sit in darkness, I haven't even got the strength to get up and walk, God. I can't even see a light let alone confess it. He says, though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. In other words, it's not my light, but the Lord will be a light to you. The Lord will carry you. The Lord will strengthen you. The Lord will be your substance even when you feel like it's all falling apart. When you have no strength in you, God will be your strength. And sometimes our physical bodies failures are uh, emotionally and mentally whatever we're going through god is your light i want to look at someone who was sitting in darkness before i do that i'm going to attempt to do something on this tablet is that okay you say, to, you say you know, I want to see Jesus, or you're here this morning, you might think, well, how do I see Jesus? How does Jesus reveal himself to me, and how do I know, or how do I know God? I want to know God. It's really simple, okay? I'll try and keep it simple. I'm going to try something, okay? Tell me if it works, because I can't see what's going on. Is it working? It's like that picture game, isn't it? Guess what it is? Oh, it's there. That's the top of my... <laughs> Smooth, delicate, precious in God's sight. Right. That is the earth. Pretty good earth, right? This is heaven. God's presence. Right? Slight delay. God's presence. God has always wanted to be with us always wants to dwell with us John 1 says this he dwelt amongst us or it actually says our favorite word of the day he tabernacled with us so God always wants to tabernacle with us in the old testament he couldn't come in his fullness because his presence and man's sin it would destroy us so he put himself inside a tabernacle a tent and his presence was there, and he would speak to a man, a priest, and the priest would come out and speak to the people, and he would commune with us, right? But he wanted more than that. So what does he do? He sends Jesus. This is Jesus. If you want to know what God looks like, God reveals himself in Jesus. The fullness of God. Temporarily in the Old Testament, you would get glimpses and a a message would come out of the tabernacle. But now in the New Testament, God has revealed himself fully in Jesus Christ. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus Christ. You want to know God's goodness? Look at Jesus Christ. It's that, I want to hear from God. Look at Jesus then. I, I don't know if I know God. Look at Jesus He's not going to reveal himself any more fully than he's fully revealed himself in Jesus. The fullness of God is in Jesus Christ. He put himself in a different skin. He put himself in a human body so that he could get personal with you and me. God is a personal God. He's a father and he's a son. There's a personal relationship. He gives us that symbolic meaning that he wants to relate to us. God wants to relate to you through Jesus. Now, you can study Jesus but not know Jesus. Historically but not know him. So how do you know him? Well, you need his presence or the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth to you personally. So it becomes personal. Is this making sense? So if you want to know Jesus, look in the scriptures. And this is what I'm believing. This is, this is what I felt this morning as I'm in worship. Some of you, you're going to start to read the scriptures and the scriptures are going to come alive to you. You're going to get a new hunger for, re- for Jesus as you read the scriptures. God's going to enlighten your mind. He's going to enlighten your heart. And you're going to go, whoa, I never saw that before. I've just seen a love of God that I've never seen before in the scriptures. You see, you can come this morning. I can preach a message to you. But it's better if you go from here and you do it yourself and get it yourself. My job is to encourage you and inspire you and equip you to read it yourself. That's the That's the role. Does this make sense? Now, the problem with this is sometimes we create but these are people, right? And I'm learning all about God over here. This is me, this is Bob, this is Sarah, this is Tim. and we're all living in our own world. I don't think it works like that. I think it works more like this. This is me. This is Bob. This is Sarah. This is Tim, and this is Diane, and all our lives are mingled together, all of the goods and all the mess. See, it would be easy to live like this, but God puts us like this, and this is harder than this, but this is more beneficial and fruitful. This is how God has designed us, a network, a family of people. You know, family's messy, is it not? You know, you live with somebody for a week, you'll find how hard you, you are, they are, you both are. You'll find this. Yeah, but I want to live like this. No, 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 it's like this. And that's why I put them as a cross. Because it's about laying down the old life. It's about the old priestly thing being burnt up with the... So, so the new life... People say, oh, I want to know Jesus and make my life better and a happier life. It's not like that, church. If it was that easy, everybody out there would be doing it. But people don't want to let go of their old life. They want Jesus to help them for their personal life. What they don't want is become a part of the body of Christ and be a light in the world. Are you with me? So it's it's not necessarily easy. Right, we're going to look at a man who was sitting in darkness, who Jesus heals him. So let's turn to John 9. I've got to turn this off. Is that right? I have got to turn it off. He said that had happened. All my scribbles would still be on there. Has it gone? <sighs> Sorry. Okay. So let's read this. Okay. So this is right after Jesus has said, "I am the light of the world," and he says it again. So he's basically told people who he is. Now he goes to apply it and show you who he is. Okay. So let's look at what he does. He says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man, his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this man, so that the works, do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He says it again. After saying this, he spit on the ground... Made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Don't you just love this illustration? Imagine Jesus asked you to do this. Spit in your, get some mud and put it in your boss's eyes at work this week. I think you were crazy. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This means scent. So the man went and washed and he came home seeing. How good is that? His, his neighbors and those who formerly seen him asked him, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claim that he was. Have I finished that? Now, others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. I'm the man. How then were his eyes open, they asked. The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on his eyes. He told me to go to asylum and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Now, I believe Jesus is showing his authority here. He's showing you that he's the Messiah. He's the one who is from the beginning, the light of the world. In the beginning was the light, right? What comes next in creation It's not a clash. You don't have to answer, actually. What comes next in creation? Water. God spits. He doesn't say it like that in the beginning, right? There's waters. Then what comes next? The earth. So in creation, we have the water, we have the earth. God forms it, and with the light, what comes is life. Fruitfulness comes. So Jesus is demonstrating his authority here that he is the light of the world and he is the source of life. Rivers of living, water flow from him. Watch. Put it on mud, put it together. Puts it in his eyes and what does it do? Healing. Why? Because he's the source of life. Are you with me? So God is showing his authority that he is the Messiah. He's the king. So when I read this though, I just imagine, I imagine this man sitting there at the festival. Everybody going on about this amazing sight, this amazing light, this amazing... All of the city, it says, was lit up. These orange sandstone was all really, really bright all night. And he would sit there with his blind, almost like going on a nightline. He can't see any of it. And people going on about it. It's amazing. It's amazing. And he just sat there, seeing nothing all night. Yet, we see Jesus... Walk along and respond to this man. And I wonder if it wasn't actually about what he saw with his eyes, but about what he heard with his ears. It's actually more than that, I believe. Not just hearing what you hear, but what you sense and feel from Jesus. See, I believe Jesus wants to show us this, that with light comes warmth. They would have sat there all night at the festival with a warmth, not just a light. They wouldn't just see things, they would feel things. And I believe he sat there each day, feeling the warmth, but not seeing the sight. And as Jesus walked along, I believe this is what happened. He heard his voice, but he heard the warmth within his voice. He heard the love and the warmth that was in his voice. You know, Peter, he said he loved Jesus, did he not? He said he'd never deny him, yet he denied him. In his own strength, Jesus, I'll never ever deny you, yet he denied him. Yet Jesus goes and finds him and restores him because he loves him. And he says these to him in John chapter 1 verse 15. He says to Peter, Do you love me more than these things? Has he got it up there? Do you love me more than these things? And it made me think, what do I love? Are there other things that I love that are not Jesus? Are there other things that promise love, but don't actually fulfill me? They're not the source of life. They're the things of this world. Things that tempt me places I go even my job can feel like it gives me life but actually is Jesus at center of of your heart what will the evidence be the evidence will be as Peter writes the evidence will be love the evidence will be the warmth that you have for one another It will be your affection for your brother and sister in Christ. It will be the affection that you have for your husband or wife or whoever, your enemy even. It will be the warmth that you have, not just the truth that you want to tell them. You see, I believe illumination, revelation, when we encounter Jesus Christ, it warms our heart with a warmth that just wants to love people like he's loved us. Does it not? Does that make sense? Are you with me? You see, when you look at the word here, we go to the Greek word. And, and there's like three, three times it asks him if he loves him. And the Greek changes. At first it says philia, which is brotherly love. The second one is agape, which is like unconditional, sacrificial love. It's like God's love willing to lay down his life. And we like those. But I think there's another word that maybe Jesus used in there. No, it's not in there because it was written in Greek. But I wonder if Jesus spoke maybe Aramaic. We know Jesus spoke Aramaic. I wonder if there was a different word he used. See, the word for love, do you love me in Aramaic, is hubar. I want to say hubba bubba, but it's not hubba bubba. It's hubar. So what does hubar mean? It means this. He's saying, Peter, to set on fire. To set on fire. Peter, do you love me with a passion? Do you love me with everything more than these other things, he's saying. Before you loved people's affection more than mine when you denied me. Do you love me more than anything? Uh, Have I got your heart, Peter, he says. Another translation of, of it is to warm. Now, I believe Jesus wants our hearts to be warm, does he not? He wants to know the warmth of God, the heat of God, the passion of God. The sacrificial love that Jesus gave to us on the cross was where he revealed himself to us. You know, in 1 Peter, in 1 Peter, sorry, 2 Peter, I'm going to find it here. In 2 Peter, chapter 1. Peter gives us some advice on how to walk so that we're no longer blind. He says, do this so you'll no longer stumble, so you won't be short-sighted or be blinded. He says, add to your faith goodness. You know, faith is given to you. It's the gift of God. But if you want to walk and continue to walk so that you become effective, so that you become a light in this world, you need to add life. You need to listen on the things that God says that are good. You need to believe the gospel, that the gospel is good. And you need to go and do good. And if you do that, it says you'll be productive and effective. To goodness, it says, add knowledge. Learn about Jesus more and more. To knowledge, it says, add self-control. To self-control, perseverance, because love isn't easy. And then it says to that, add brotherly love. And then to that, mutual affection for everyone. You see, what Jesus is looking for is the warmth of our hearts. Is looking for the light of the world, Jesus. The heat of all heat to warm our hearts. And when it does, it'll begin to flow out like that water flowed out in the temple. It'll be a flowing of love for one another, for the lost, for the sick, for my enemy who said things about me, the people I don't like at school or the people I didn't last who said things and hurt me. No, I'm going to do what Jesus says and add goodness to it. And I'm going to forgive them. You see, I believe that blind man. I take my glasses off because then I can't see properly. I believe that blind man. Jesus put some mud in his eyes and he was not healed straight away. He had to obey Jesus. He put faith in Jesus. I believe Jesus. I hear your voice, Jesus. I sense the warmth of your heart for me that you love me and you're compassionate. Then Jesus says, I need you to do something go to the pool and wash you know that takes trust in jesus i'm i'm going to make a decision to add something to this i'm going to add goodness i'm going to add knowledge i'm going to add self control and if you add these things, this is what I believe begins to happen. The dirt of our eyes begin to disperse. And we begin to see Jesus as he really, really is in our lives. We begin to see others like Jesus sees them, not how our past says. Because our past blind us to how God wants to see them. I only see them through the mud and the pain and the disappointment. And God's saying, I want you to come to me. I want you to be washed. I want you to be cleansed so that you can see people as I see them, not how you see them. And he sends him to the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And he sends him. And the people can't get their head around what has happened. He says, is he the man? Is he not the man? Is he? And he says, I am the man. I am the man. Any men in here? Come on. I'm not cleansing my own life. I'm cleansed by the Savior of the world, the light of the world. I'm saved by his warmth when he died on the cross for me. Now I'm the man or I'm the woman. I'm not the old life that's been burnt away. I now have a new life in Jesus that I'm slowly mm-hmm. learning, taking steps, learning self-control, doing good so that we can be a light in this world to others. And I believe that's what Jesus calls us all to do. He doesn't just leave us in the pool of Siloam. A Jesus-centered person is a Jesus-sent person. If Jesus is at the center of your heart and his love, it will just flow out of you. And I want us to pray two things. I want us to pray that you'll have a fire for Jesus. You know, and just spend a moment as we just start to worship. We're going to sing the reckless love of God. And just tell him, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I thank you for the cross. You know, if there's other things maybe that have got in the way about the love of God, I also believe he wants to teach people when the enemy intimidates you and tells you that the darkness of this world is greater, Jesus wants to teach you that the light of God is greater than the darkness of this world. You know, anybody, any Star Wars fans in here who likes a lightsaber, yeah, I believe God wants to teach you how to use a lightsaber. He wants to teach you the word of God. He wants to teach you how to fight against the enemy's tactics so that you can stand as a light in this world. And sometimes we're overcome mentally, emotionally, and God wants to teach you. He actually doesn't want to give you a single, if you know a lightsaber, he doesn't want just give you a single one. He wants to give you the double one. Do you see the double one? Right, who had the double one in Star Wars? The enemy had the double one. And God wants to teach you that the enemy no longer has the double one. It's taken back off him. And he's put in your hands so that you can overcome. Jesus overcame so that you could overcome this world. Jesus says, you'll have trouble, but I have overcome. And he wants to teach in him that you can overcome the things of this world. Because he is the light of the world. Are you with me? It's yours to take. It's your inheritance that you can walk in this world as a light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The enemy has no power over me. Death has no sting. It's been removed. Now I'm going to walk in the confidence and say, I'm the man. I'm the man. Come on, let's stand. Are you with me? I want you to spend some time and ask that question that Jesus asked Peter. Do you love me? That's where it's administered to them. I pray that, Lord, as they open the eyes of their heart, that you would reveal the love of God to them. That they would go from here with such a warmth, such a compassion, such a, such a desire, Lord, to know you and to share the good news of Jesus in this world. I pray that you would send them in Christ. Amen.